We're back at Flea Bottom supposedly again, and we are talking about the first episode of season seven, and we are going to go more in depth. Our first podcast this week was primarily talking about what we thought about the show, our initial thoughts, our reactions, emotions, but now we are going to go into more detail, and we're going to really try to extrapolate and detail of the whole life of the characters in the Game of Thrones and understand their their motives, reactions. And to understand where the writers are trying to take us, I'd like to welcome my co-host Andre Kless and Diana. Hey, Dennis. how you guys doing? What's up? Good. So now that we had a couple of days to kind of decompress and kind of go over the episode, there's a couple of things I'd like to ask you. First of all, something came to me earlier, and I wanted to ask you guys: What reunions are you most looking forward to, and who do you expect to reunite, and how? Mm. That's a good question. What do you yes. think, Diana? Uh, I am really looking forward to, or I was looking forward to, and I was kind of a little bit let down that it didn't happen, Arya reuniting with her family. So I figured, based on the fact that she escaped King's Landing and has been moving her way north for the past few seasons, you know, she went to the Riverlands, I figured that she was continuing to move northbound and that she was going to try to end up at the Wall because she knows that her brother is there. So it was a little bit strange to me that she, after the whole fray opening, apparently is now heading back down south to King's Landing, yeah. which I think is really cool and interesting because I wasn't expecting it at all. And I'm interested to see what she's planning with this whole supposed murder of Cersei. But I was kind of looking forward to her reuniting with uh, John and Sansa, and I was kind of a little bit uh, disappointed that that's going to be put off now. And now we don't even know if it's going to happen at all. So I'm looking forward to that reunion happening because, yes, we got a little bit taste, a little taste of uh, Stark re- reuniting with yeah. uh, Sansa and John last season. But I really think Arya and John and Arya and Sansa would have been really powerful. But don't you think John could be being pulled south also? Like, you know, we saw Sam write to John and say, "Hey, down south, maybe the solution you're looking for to take care of your problem with the White Walkers is down here. It's in Dragonstone. Maybe." Maybe their reunion will won't be in the north. That's true. That definitely could be. Uh, I I do think one of the interesting things to note about this season is that uh, it seems like now that Danny is in Westeros, everything is kind of going to be taking place in a smaller regional area. So before. Uh-huh. Yeah, before it was a massive scope every season. You had es- things happening on Essos, you had things happening yeah. on Westeros. So this season it seems like everyone's kind of kind of convene and move right. towards each other uh, to fight each other. And I do think there's a high likelihood that, yeah, even though Arya is moving her way southbound, she could still encounter them in some sort of place that is yet to be determined. Yeah. I don't um, – it's interesting that you – you feel that you want Arya to meet up with her family because the way that Arya has been lately, I don't think that she can meet up with her family. She is a, a whole different morality, mindset, and mission. And I don't see me I don't see meeting with her family would go along with that. I see her as being a lone wolf and I, I don't I don't I don't think she'll ever meet up with her family this whole se- this whole season. It's interesting that Sansa and Arya never got along. Would that continue? They're still right. so different. That's true. But with that all being said, yes, I agree that she's a lone wolf, but I do still think she's a wolf. At the end of last season, yeah. 
the whole big reveal with with Arya, which was uh, really powerful at the end of the season, was uh, was her kind of dismissing the whole uh, house of House of the Undot. What was the, house, the name of the? I'm sorry, the place house that of she Black was and training. White. Right, the House of Black and White, and her her being like, you know what, I'm Arya Stark, and I'm returning to Westeros, and that was right. kind of how it ended. So. That to me was indicating that she was finally going to reaccept her right. her actual, you know, true born identity, and yeah. so that's why I was kind of looking forward to that happening this season. So we'll see if it happens. Speaking of Arya, you know, we saw—I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for the next episode, but I saw a flash of a dire wolf that I think a lot of people are speculating, and I think it's Arya's wolf Nymeria or Arya's dire wolf Nymeria. What do you think about that? I might look at the previews because I don't want to, like, you know, they always, like, say something and you never quite know what it is. And it's just, it throws me off yeah. when I do that. I, I well, I, I tend to watch the trailers and speculate about every little frame in them. Me uh, too. For some reason, at, at this moment, Nymeria or any direwolf isn't coming to mind uh, that I remember from the trailer. But I believe you that it happened. But I I think that would be an amazing reunion because she's the is she the only one now that still has her no her ghost is still alive? with us ghost is still with us I think ghost is just oh, yeah, right, in the back. Ghost. Mm-hmm. well the reason I thought of Nymeria is you said the term when referring to Arya as the lone wolf looks like Nymeria has been out in you know ranging somewhere in maybe the Riverlands maybe in the north maybe all over Westeros wow. Nymeria has been out there by herself she's literally been a lone wolf in the same way that Arya has been. They have a lot in common. Yeah. Yeah, there's always been a that sort of metaphorical link between each Stark and their dire wolf. Yeah. So that kind of made sense for, for Arya that that would happen to Nymeria. But, yeah, I think that would be a really interesting uh, reunion to bring her back into the show. Well, I personally have to say that I feel like I'm just an audience watching two masters talk because I, I guarantee you know the podcast is talking about Nymeria right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is an amazing recall. I'm serious. And I listen to a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts and no one even mentioned Nymeria. So thank you for that. Wow. So now <laughs> now something to look forward to and think about and consider that would be killer. If Arya has a dire wolf, oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be cool. So uh let's think what other my reunions my reunion that I'm looking forward to is is not a reunion per se. But I think John Stark and Daenerys are going to get together. <laughs> well, yeah, that that definitely could be. That is a well, that is a union. <laughs> right, that would be a lot of yeah. A lot of a lot of fans have speculated that uh, ever since the whole reveal of John's true parentage, that yeah. you know he's the good guy, he's the good protagonist, she's the good protagonist. It would make sense that they created an alliance. Right. Together, and that would be, uh, they would be bonded together by a marriage that would make the most sense to bring them together. So, a lot of fans have been speculating that that's going to happen. So, that's definitely one of the most highly talked about fan theories. So, I'm very interested to see if that happens. One of my, uh, reunions that I'm looking most forward to also involves John, but, uh, John and Sam have been apart for quite a bit of time. It actually doesn't feel like it's been a long time, but so much has happened to both of them over the course of the last season and a half. Mm-hmm. John was murdered since he left. He was since brought back to life, left the Night's Watch, and is now you know, proclaimed King of the North. That's 
significant. I actually don't quite know what Sam knows of it. It seems like in this world, or at least on the TV show, it's just kind of assumed people just kind of know. I guess news travels somewhat fast, but Sam doesn't seem to know. So he wrote a note to John talking about the dragon glass thing. Uh huh. But where was he going to send that raven? Was he going to send it to the wall, or was he going to yes. send it to Winterfell? So he has no idea that John's even at Winterfell. No, he doesn't. As far as I know, he still thinks that John is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, and that he's yeah. at you know at the wall. So you would think a raven would have come to the Citadel by now. Yes, to, right. you know, but uh-huh. maybe maybe he's just too low on the totem pole to even have been told maybe there's no like daily briefing <laughs> hey, who's in charge where right now the truth is we don't really know how how much time has transpired and we also don't know we also don't know whether these timelines are all happening at concurrently you know, right. right exactly but the citadel is the host of all the the the, 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 the what do you call information those? yeah so, it's uh, like the uh, depository of knowledge for the known universe well so, West, so i'm anyway. thinking that everything that transpired Samuel Tony knows because the Ravens went there and 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 they're writing a history. So I think presumably, he's... presumably, but maybe he's just too low of a guy. Maybe you know the Archmaster, the Maesters know, but he just isn't privy to that. For some reason, I don't think he knows. That's my theory. I don't think he yeah. knows anything yet, and I think we are going to see him f- find out a little bit of what's been happening this season, yeah. and we'll be able to see his reactions and everything. So that and also now that John is no longer. The Lord Command of the Night's Watch is Sam is still, uh, you know, a member of the the Night's Watch. He's still committed. He still exactly. has an oath. So I guess he was he was the Night Watch. He, Dolores Ed is now his boss, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he's technically speaking, but once Samuel Tarley is able to disseminate the information where all that dragon glass is, I think that yeah. they won't keep him there at the Night's Watch because his his value is too great being at the Citadel. So here's the thing that I think is going to be the main arc with Sam, at least while he's at the Citadel. According to the books and other hints that have taken place throughout the books and the show, the Citadel and the Maesters, they are not supportive of believing in any theories of magic. So they are more inclined to be White Walker deniers and uh, Lord of Light deniers and, and things like that. They're all yeah. about the logic and the facts and uh-huh. science and everything. So I think that they're going to be naturally opposed to helping Sam on his journey to acquire this information to help, uh, you know, John out and with everything that's going on up north because they don't really believe in that and they're sort right. of against you know, moving forward with that whole thing. So I'm interested to see you. Well, not to disagree with you too much there, but in that conversation that John had, no, I'm sorry, not John, that Sam had in this last, this last episode, he was doing the autopsy of that, uh, that one person with the Archmaester. I don't remember what his name was in that, but the Archmaester was saying, Hey, there have been, you know, reports from multiple sources. So the most logical thing would be to say, yeah, we believe you. We believe it's true, but, it doesn't matter. It seemed like he was saying, yeah, I believe you, but I don't care. There's nothing we can do about it sort right. of thing. Yeah. Hmm. I guess we'll find out. That's a very good transition, talking about the Night's Watch. When now the last show we saw that brand came up on Castle Black, what do you guys think his role this season will be? And do you think he's the only one who knows who John truly is? 
want to take that? Well, that's a good question. I, I think that, well, there's two questions there. I'll take the last one. You know, I don't think he's the only one who knows who John's true parents are. It seemed like in different, uh, different times throughout this, Throughout the series, don't you think that Littlefinger kind of has an idea? He seems to be the kind of person who is kind of kind of aware about that. Like I feel like he was talking to Sansa. Wasn't he in the crypts with Sansa uh, a season or two ago, kind of talking about Lyanna? No, I don't really agree with that. that. I don't agree with that actually. For some reason, I I'm inclined to think that no one knows about it. John uh, Ned Stark, that was his his sister's dying wish was to keep this right. to himself. And as far as I know, Bran is the only one who knows who John's true parents are because when, when Bran was working with the three eyed Raven, that was the big reveal that who John's true parents are and took every show watcher by surprise. Well, not really people were prophesizing about that for ages on the internet, but in terms of characters on the show, I kind of feel that he's the only one that knows because Ned Stark is Mr. Moral Compass, and I really think that was he took that to the grave because that was his sister's dying. Don't you think it's possible? Okay, that's true. Ned went to the grave with that. Not only that, he didn't tell his wife to the point that his exactly. wife hated Jon Snow. So Exactly. But, okay, take that out of it. Don't you think there are other people who could possibly deduce this? Like people who were around back then, people like, you know, Littlefinger. Don't you think someone like the Master of Whispers would know? Varys might know. So there's a, there were other people around then. For example, in the tower when John is born, there are uh, ladies in waiting there. You know. Uh, no, I just don't. Not only that, Howland Reed was there. So maybe. That's true. You know. There's other people. The reeds are very private, very it's private possible. people, but maybe something got out. There's other avenues, possibly. I think somebody else might know. I have to agree with you, Andre, because my wife asked something. Her being a casual a casual observer, she likes the show, but she's not you know, into great detail about it. Yeah. But she start, She was asking me about Littlefinger. Is like, why is he there? And I was like, well, he has soldiers there. Then. She was like, so what? You know, why is he there? What is he up to? What, what's going on with him? Right. And the way he was looking at John, Littlefinger is a values information. And right. that information, I think, I think if anyone would know, it would be him. And, I, and I'm almost 90% sure Littlefinger knows who John really is. And is just waiting for the opportunity to exploit with that. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could be, actually. The more I think about it now, after you guys have brought it up, reminds me of the fact th- that it's so strange that Littlefinger, who's the most cunning, clever, manipulative guy who knows everything about everyone and always has a play, has, up until now, completely ignored Daenerys. Now, someone as smart as him and as power-hungry as him would have recognized that she has a great chance of winning everything, Yes. And the fact that he hasn't had any play yet involving her makes me think that you might be right, that maybe he he does know a little bit more than we think he does. Exactly. And that maybe he does have some grand play involving Daenerys and possibly John, which could involve him knowing who his parents are. So I think that's yet to be revealed. So I'm thinking that I think you're right. Diana, I'm thinking that he 
he knows who Daenerys is, and he knows that if he can if he can tie John and Daenerys together, that's his that's his way in. Right. See, it makes sense for someone like Cersei, who's kind of been ignoring everything uh, that's going right. on outside of the immediate King's Landing area. Right. It, you know, because she's so power hungry. It's kind of I could see her. She's too proud kind of to get any Right. Exactly. Right. I can see her kind of neglecting what's going on with Daenerys until it's too late. But Littlefinger, I mean, that's really sketchy that he would up until now have not said any lines, you know, in the show about her, not have you know, done anything really involving Daenerys. That is definitely sketchy to me. Yeah. So, so what do you think Bran's role will be this season now that we've discussed the second part of that? I think, oh, God, actually, I really don't know. He's probably the biggest question mark for me because he has this unknown mystical power now uh you know this is a fantasy show and all of a sudden he's a wizard and we really don't know what levels of power that entails you know can he can he tap into this knowledge of the universe at any at any chance he wants to or is he gonna have to be next to a weirwood tree to access it and how is he gonna use that that's a good question sometimes he's holding or touching the weirwood Weirwood tree, and he's getting these visions, but sometimes he's not. Maybe he's going through stuff he's already downloaded into his brain and rewatching it again. Maybe that's yeah. it. But some, um, also, the other question is, you know, Bran says he's now the Three Eyed Raven. So, what does that mean exactly for him? Does that mean his old alliances, his old allegiances aren't as important anymore? The Three Eyed Raven. You know, he's just a. Yeah. He didn't what, what necessarily say he's not a pro Stark guy. He's not. He doesn't have any specific allegiances to anyone in Westeros or anywhere in this world. He just is the person who kind of has all the information. You know what I mean? Right. So Bran exactly. could be, you know, way above squabbles between houses. He's right. probably he more be, concerned with you know men and the dead. He could be a a god for all we know. I mean, he, yeah. right now it seems that he has every bit of knowledge that has ever happened about the universe in his brain. It was just yeah. inserted into his brain. He just downloaded all that information at once. And uh, I don't we don't really know in what ways he's going to be able to use that that knowledge yet. Uh he is the the heir now to Winterfell, right? Right. Yeah. It's right. interesting because John is not heir to Winterfell really at all because he's a bastard. Not exactly. only that, he's probably, you know, a Targaryen possibly anyway. So exactly. the eldest Stark is Bran. So, so now what, that he's where back, does that leave John? Right, exactly. Right. What is yeah, what does that mean for John? Because now that John has been crowned I mean the he king could be the king north, and you know Bran could be, you know, still the ward of the north or whatever. You know what I mean? He could still have a low, lower role, but Right, but I don't the, think that I don't think Brand is ever going to take that role. I, his path doesn't take him that way. Um, it so what, doesn't seem like it will, but I guess you never know. I mean, it's not like he can really go anywhere being crippled, so he might remain at Winterfell because what else is he? Where else is he going to go? I think he's going to be at Eastwatch by the Sea. It seemed like a number of things in this last episode pointed to Eastwatch by the Sea. You know, we saw Tormund. He was saying he's going to head there. You saw that the um, I'm blanking right now. The Brotherhood Without Banners, yeah, you know, uh, the Hound had those visions. They're going to Eastwatch right. by the Sea, most likely. What, There's going to be a big convergence there. Brand is probably going to head there because 
he's kind of the the front line warning system that they yeah. have against the army of the undead. Right, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Something you guys said kind of brought up something else. I'm go- I'm going to go in a different direction. Um in that and it kind of gives me chills just thinking about it. When I first the first season when when Ned Stark died, I was like totally crushed thinking how could they kill the main character? But as I look at the whole story now from a overhead view, his children are so prominent in each of their roles that I don't think they would have been able to achieve or walk into their calling if he didn't die. I mean, his death caused a chain reaction that caused Staria to go and had to hide from the kingdom before she was killed, and she became the assassin The assassin that she did. Um, right. Sansa had to get married to some lunatic, and she became <laughs> the person that she was. Right. And John Stark had to join Castle Black and reunite, and he was the cause for the Wildings to reunite with the rest of the with Castle Black and, and the rest of the soldiers. So his death precipitated the greatness of his children. Right. Had, had he had not died, it wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, with a, without a doubt. I mean, imagine if Ned Stark hadn't died, who would Sansa be? She would just be this little girl that's still sewing dresses and uh-huh. wanting to marry a prince, you know. So it was it was because of his death that his death really sparked the whole series. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I guess the whole thing with Cersei and Jaime uh-huh. pushing yeah. pushing Bran off the wall really was the true start of all of this. But but the his... greatness of his children, yeah, because had Bran not had to run from from Winterfell to 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 avoid you know to avoid being killed, he would have never found a three eyed raven. Right. Right. Yeah. And if I mean, we could go all day with this because if Theon Greyjoy had never left Rob's side and then been convinced to uh, take Winterfell and kill everybody or Bran would have never left. So it's yeah, like exactly. there's so many different uh, storylines that affect each other. Yeah. But it all had to you – know, but but specifically speaking about Ned's children, they would have never seen their destiny right. if he hadn't died and, and subsequently released all the different storylines from them having to flee um, their Yeah, home. that's true. Yeah, they're definitely stronger because of it. That's for sure. So speaking of the different characters um, and and seeing their natural arc over over seven seasons, um, whose arc are you most excited about? Um, I would have to say I'm most excited about Tyrion. Uh, you know, obviously Tyrion has been featured prominently over the past few seasons, but I feel like in the past few episodes we haven't seen much of him. He had that heart to heart with Danny in the in the finale last year, but I'm just really excited to see, okay, Tyrion is now back in Westeros. Uh, mm-hmm. People are gunning after him. Obviously, Cersei wants him dead. You know, it should be interesting to see, Does what does Jamie truly feel about him? You know, Jamie hasn't really seen Tyrion since Tyrion murdered his father. Uh, and then, you know, what kind of Hand of the King will Tyrion be? Well, no, I'm sorry. What kind of Hand of the Queen will Tyrion be? Tyrion was a Actually, one of the best hands of the kings we saw um, in King's Landing. the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes. ar- arguably his dad was pretty good too. Like he, uh, he yeah, that's he, true. He did a pretty good job, but uh, <laughs> the horse scene was awesome. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I- I'm most excited about Tyrion to see, you know, 
I actually want to see Tyrion and uh, Daenerys kind of clash a little bit, have some disagreement, and see you know, how that plays out. I don't, because I like I like the fact Tyrion's intellect and Darius's is uh, moxie is an awesome combination. <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah. But there's both such big personalities. They're going to disagree at some point. Yeah, hasn't happened yet, really, but... Well, you we'll know see. a story. Um, Diana, you said that it's possible that, or one of you guys says it's possible that Darius, um, Daenerys could become the 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 bad person in the show. And I think I mentioned um, that. Yes, and on Huffington Post, they had that same question: um, <laughs> Is Daenerys uh, turning, or something, or, or, or is she going? Is she going to the dark side? Hmm. Well, I have this weird theory. It might be a little bit detailed, but. It kind of ties into what we're talking about. And it, we well, we it's love not detail. So... Go for it. <laughs> okay. All right. So do you guys know about the whole Azor Ahai theory about who it is? For the benefit of our listeners, go ahead uh, and All right. So that. let me explain this, uh, or a brief summary. So basically all over the, the books and the show from the beginning, there's been lots of references to the quote-unquote prince that was promised otherwise known as Azor Ahai, uh, is the name that Melisandre and believers in the Lord of Light call this supposed hero. And this is a reference to someone from thousands of years ago who was, quote-unquote, born out of salt and smoke, who woke dragons from stone, and this person, mythical person, supposedly reforged the sword Lightbringer, which defeated the White Walkers thousands of years ago. Okay. And the whole prophecy, um, which is outlined frequently by, or referenced a lot by Melisandre, is that this quote-unquote prince that was promised, otherwise known as Azor Ahai, will be reborn and will stand up against the, the darkness, the White Walkers, and that the fate of the world essentially lies with this person. So Melisandre, hearing this prophecy and seeing various visions, she believed for the whole first six seasons of the show that Azor Ahai was Stannis Baratheon. So she thought that Stannis was Azor Ahai reborn because she kept having all these visions of stone and dragon and fire, and because the Baratheons were, were now in control of Dragonstone, the ancestral homeland of the Targaryens, she kind of misinterpreted these visions to mean that Stannis must be this hero that they've been waiting for that's going to save the world. Okay. So it mm. wasn't until this last season when Stannis pretty much lost everything. I mean, he even burned his daughter in this sacrifice, which gained nothing for himself, that she finally realized, oh, wait, crap. He's not <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's not actually Azor High. I have been misinterpreting the signs this whole time, and that's why yeah. she abandoned him. She abandoned him in his greatest moment of need, you know, right before the battle that ended up killing him and his whole army as she abandoned him. That was her realizing that I made a mistake. This guy isn't Azor Ahai. So basically, this whole who is Azor Ahai has been this whole question amongst book readers and show watchers who I guess are into uh, more of the details. And awesome. everyone, or not everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but the big debate right now is, is Azor Ahai Daenerys or is it Jon Snow? It's frequently referred to as a male, but that doesn't mean that it can't be Daenerys, because obviously Daenerys sort of has the most links to Azor Ahai with the with having dragons and a lot of uh -huh. the dragon-related visions. Yeah. But 
a lot of people believe that Jon Snow meets all of the quote unquote criteria from the book to be the, this reborn uh, hero because he has a he has the Valyrian sword, which may or may not be reborn into Lightbringer. Uh, B, he's been shown to have some sort of special, I don't know, some sort of special connection with the White Walkers that hasn't really been developed yet, but there's all these hints of him. Sure. You know, there's something, something special about him. We don't really know what yet, but. The way know, they look he, at him. They, yeah, they exactly. seek him out. Yeah. Also, he has the Targaryen blood. We know that now. So that ties together the whole visions of dragons and, and, and whatnot. And frequently throughout Melisandre's visions, in the earlier seasons, she kept seeing snow mm-hmm. and she oftentimes misinterpreted it. But a lot of people believe that these snow visions were related to Jon Snow and the fact that he was at the wall. So basically, there's a lot of links between Jon Snow and this whole prophecy. Uh, and is it possible that it could be both like the idea of the two of them being united, being each being well, even more than the sum of their parts? Well, the reason I even started getting into this to begin with was that you guys were talking about how wouldn't it be interesting if if Daenerys ends up being turning into a you know going crazy or turning into a you know a bad person or, yes. or whatnot? She ends up not being the this wonderful protagonist that we thought. What one of the things that's interesting about Azor Ahai is that the Azor Ahai created Lightbringer by taking his sword and plunging it into his wife's heart, which combined the steel and her soul into creating Lightbringer. Wow. So what if there's some sort of parallel between John and Daenerys and they do sort of get together or meet or whatever. And maybe she does sort of lose herself or become like her father. And he ends up creating this sword that supposedly will save the world and kill all the White Walkers or whatever by sacrificing her. Now, is that a little bit too ridiculous? No, no, that's perfect. You, you, you know what? Um, Einstein once said that, you know, you have mastery of a subject when you can make something really complicated, um, explainable to to the average person, and you did a great <laughs> job. <with that. laughs> um, I totally understood it, and I and I and I want to add something to it if I can. That um, the character of Jon Snow is always—he can fight, he's smart, but he's always like a step behind intellectually. You know, kind of doesn't. Yeah. He he reacts, but yeah. He, he's That's the same to, thing Sansa was talking about. Uh huh. And but but that quality it means that he's 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 he has such a good heart that he doesn't believe the negative of things. So he's just basically a good person through and through. Whereas Daenerys has shown signs that she could be pretty, pretty, pretty brutal, um, yeah, pretty brutal without without the benefit of justice. Like Jon Snow was all about justice, but Daenerys has shown that she can she has a revenge side to her that's like pretty pretty rough. And I'm thinking that to answer the question, which character arc are you wanting to see? Mine has always been Jon Snow because mm. of his the battle scene to me was a perfect. Um, a perfect view of his life in that everything is random but he's in the right place at the right time but he's not in control of everything but he's going to come through and I mm-hmm. think that, that I like seeing him pinball through through this through through his arc and really having to, to 
provide justice and be a source of inspiration to kind of save mankind is, is, is how I, is how I look at him. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just seems that he's shaping up to be this quote unquote prince that was promised, which is referenced from starting at season one. And it's constantly referenced by characters, a uh, band mm-hmm. of brotherhood, uh, uh, Melisandre, just lots of characters always refer to this prince that was promised. So I feel like they wouldn't have brought it up in the show it's a it's a major thing in the books, and I feel like they wouldn't have included it in the show if it wasn't going to turn out to be something. So I think all the signs point towards Jon Snow being this reborn, you know, hero from the past, and him being the one that's going to lead everyone into, or the fate of the world sort of lying with him when it comes to defeating the darkness and the White Walkers. So I the more I think about it, could see a potential link between him and Daenerys and then him possibly having to sacrifice her to totally. Totally see to that. accomplish this, yeah. And I and I so see Tyrion I see Tyrion having to counsel Jon Snow and indeed that he would have to do that. Yeah, that could be. I hate to continue this uh this question, but I guess no. I never really gave I never really gave my answer on the question of what arc I'm, I'm most looking forward to. So yeah. taking a different turn from everything we've been talking about with Jon Snow, one of the char- the arcs that I'm looking most forward to is Jamie because why first because Jamie is this character that they introduced in such a negative light. Oh, the Kingslayer, he's a terrible person. He throws Bran off this tower. There's nothing good about him. They give him all these terrible scenes where they show him killing innocent people in the Riverlands and whatnot. And then as the seasons went on, they began to humanize his character. And they began to show what the true story was with him slaying the king, which is that he did it to save everyone. And no one knows that about him. Everyone assumes that no one really knows the true story of what happened with Daenerys' father and how crazy he really was and how he was going to see the whole world burn uh, to keep his power. And Jaime essentially saved everyone by by murdering him. So on top of that, throughout the show, you see them humanizing him through his interactions with Brienne. You start to see him like, wow, he's not just this person that everyone thinks he is. He this is. You know, there's some softness to him. There, there's some morality in him, and they sort of nurture that in the in the uh, both the books and the show. And as it goes on, you start seeing him as a totally different person than he was in the beginning. So compared to someone like, as much as I love Daenerys, but look at someone like Daenerys, who, for all intents and purposes, hasn't had that much of an arc per se in terms of her personality. <laughs> or, and, I mean. She's accomplished the most. She's accomplished right. the most, don't get me wrong. But she's always been the headstrong, I want to go back to Westeros and reclaim what was mine. But there hasn't been much, like, real change. Well, I would say at a certain a- point she became that way. After her, you know, her the call died, call Drogo died. Yeah, at that point, I would agree with you. But before yeah. well, maybe before that, that she was very bad, different. That might have been a bad, bad example. But I, I see Jamie as being having a very interesting development throughout the show. Yeah. And they started, they started it out with he's, he will kill anyone and do anything to return to Cersei because that's all he cares about to now showing that he really doubts her and that he doesn't really have faith in what she's doing and that he might not even, he might be falling out of love with her, really. 
And Don't you think that the I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that no, up. You, no. Go ahead. You finish. Um, but don't you don't you think that possibly history could be repeating itself? Cersei seems a lot like the Mad King right now. She seems to, you know, she used, you know, wildfire to kill literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people to bring down the step the sept of Baylor. Right. She's uh, lost it completely. Yeah. And that's why. Uh, uh, I guess that was the last thing that I was going to bring up was exactly that, that I see him as being the person to murder her, uh, not only because it was actually prophe- prophesized in the books yeah. with her visit as a child to that witch where, who told her essentially everything that's come true in her life thus far. So I could see that as being this ultimate tragedy with his arc that he finally, you see him develop into this, better person, everything that happens with Brienne, you see him becoming humanized, and then ultimately he might have to do something really crazy, like murder his one true I mean, love. He's going to have to go through the zombie monster, uh, the zombie uh, mountain, I meant to say. Oh. <laughs> well, Gregor Kuglain. Gregor Kuglain. If there's anyone who crazy. is able to have access to her without the mountain there, it's him, so... Well, uh, we're doing this on podcast. We're doing this on Skype. You guys can price. I don't know. But if you saw my look at my face right now. <laughs> Why? Actually, I can't see you. I can't. Oh, wait. Really? Actually, out of, I can't see you either. I don't see anything. Out of the entire show, Jamie would be the last person that I would suspect that you want to see his character arc out of everyone on an entire show of Game of Thrones. Really? I think he has an actual... and He actually has an arc, as opposed to sort of having been the same character the whole time. Like, someone who doesn't have an arc is, like, Peter Baelish, for example. He's been the same person the whole time. But arc is someone... Something that's changed. Someone who's changed. And I think he is one of the few characters that's seen a tremendous amount of, of change in his story. John, what's up with your axe to grind against uh, Jamie Lannister? <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's um, get it out there. I, I think this may be, um, and may be something personal, but um, did you guys ever used to watch a show called Homicide? Life on the Street? No. I know the person who wrote it, uh, Simon, was their last name. They wrote yeah. The Wire also, but I didn't see that show. And they had a really strong character on the show, this black cop who I just loved like you wouldn't believe. And then one day this black cop got a stroke, and he never was himself again. Couldn't watch the show after that because I'm used to seeing him being this strong, you know, guy who gets you into the interrogation room. He was able to just tear you apart limb for limb. Everyone just walked out of there and was like, I did it, I did it, I did it. So... And I realized something at that point is that if you introduce yourself as a strong character and then something happens to you that weakens you, it just it bothers me. And Jamie was a strong character. He was the Kingslayer, which, you know, neg- negative, sure. But he was able to probably one of the best fighters in all of Westeros. And he got his hand cut off, you know. And, <laughs> and, but, and you just and, stopped caring about him at that and point. Then, but John- <laughs> And, and, and it's not only that, but then he kowtows to his wife as his wife, well, his wannabe wife, Cersei, who I could understand that he was with her for the smaller things she did. But she, like, killed, like, thousands of people. He's just like, hey, you know, we had well, to do what we had to do. Well, well I mean, the, 
you're talking about him. He was a strong person, like as if like he was that was a virtuous thing. He pushed a little boy out of a window. That does not sound like a strong character to me. And I would no, actually I would say, say the opposite. I would say he's he's stronger now than he was before. You know what I mean? He no, I, because he because his wife, wannabe wife, Cersei, killed thousands of people. He's just like, hey, you know. Well, I think he's still searching. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to bring up because one, another reason that I didn't mention of why I'm interested to see see his arc play out in the show is because he's one of the only characters or he he's one of the characters that's most different in the show than he is in the book. In the book, he hasn't stayed loyal to Cersei the way that he has in the show. In the books, he's become disgusted with her at this point. Which and, he should be. That's a natural progression. But he Right, exactly. The show, yeah. But there's some reason why they're changing it in the show. They're still showing him sort of being loyal to her for what for whatever reason. And I think that's going to be shown that's gonna play out a little bit in this season. They're gonna show him becoming fed up with her and becoming almost disgusted with her. And in my opinion, what I think my theory, he will actually end up killing her. So that's what I'm interested to see. Well, just yeah. so you know, whenever Jamie comes on the TV, I like roll my eyes. So, <laughs> I mean, so you know. <laughs> I'm, by, I'm by no means saying that he's a favorite character or anything. I'm just saying that I think he has he's changed a lot in the show. So I'm interested to see where it takes him, how things are going to end for Let him. Let me ask you guys a question: Who hates who more? Does John hate Jamie more, or does Diana hate the Sand Snakes more? <laughs> <laughs> there is vitriol here. Oh, man, that's a, like, that's a tough one. Like, Jamie just, I guess, also he, he cut Ned Stark's, he cut him down, you know. He, ah, I don't like Jamie. Yeah. I wish Jamie would, like, pass away. I wish he would, like, drop in a hole or something. Yeah. So, well, anyway. Um, so, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> and and Jon Snow has such a better arc. I mean, he's, like, this bastard who come up and became a king, you know, at Castle Black or whatever. He got the wildings together, and now he's well, king of the north. I, I mean, that's the arc. Well, no, like, see, that's our problem is that you and I, it's clear, have different interpretations of arc. I, where I'm t- talking more about personal growth, you're talking more right. about actual events that have, you know, actual <laughs> progress that a character has made. That's true, and I, I, I guess I could argue that Jamie has had more personal growth than John has. Oh yeah, no, ex- exactly. That's John's kind of the same dude. He's like always exactly. been a faithful dude. Like even when he was, you know, uh, living at Winterfell. He was, he was great. You know, he was great. He's virtuous. You know, he took all his dad's lessons to heart right away. We never saw a John who never wanted to please his father. Yeah. Has we he always saw a John who yes. was best friends with his brother Rob. Yeah, he's accomplished a lot, but he hasn't had much personal growth. I mean, he came back from the dead. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like floored. I'm totally floored. <laughs> Um, I, I think, see, I look at character arcs as where was a person when I first saw him the first season, and where is he when the show ends? And yeah. that that transformation, minus the personal growth, where is he actually in life? I mean, I mean what has he gone through? What has he accomplished? What, is, what has he had to overcome? To me, that's what I see in a character and it's, arc. It's all subjective, but I, I prefer to appreciate those characters whose subtlety you see. For example, uh, I was thinking of Brienne of Tarth. I oh, love her too. You know I do. You know she's an amazing character, but 
but she's had those subtle changes. And that's why I actually, I think Brand's story arc and Jamie's story arc coincide very well together. And obviously they spent a significant amount of time together. What what exactly about Brienne do you do you see as having changed? Because I I don't really see much. <laughs> I feel like we're okay. just gonna have this debate with every single yeah. character. But yeah. I, Drop the hammer. <laughs> I don't see much personal growth in Brienne. I actually think she's one of the most the same as when we met her character. She's always been moral. She's always mm. wanted to complete every oath that she's taken. Uh, so what exactly? It's kind of different from Jamie. Jamie has kind of changed completely as a result of people like her and other things that have happened. I think um, I think Brand has seen things. She's seen color in in the shading in the way that people are. I think we saw her, and she was a very black and white figure. You know, she was completely 100 um, percent had given her life to Renly, and you know that's all she cared about. Now, obviously, there's. She wants to serve Sansa, but she's so much more. Like, for example, she's training Pod. She's, uh, you know, has her friendship with Jamie. I don't know. It's just like she's. No, you, said it, you said it really good, Andre. You, you you said it perfectly. She she is seeing color now, whereas initially all she saw was black and white. I mean, right? I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I can see that. I'll give you that one. Yeah, I think well, the Hound has changed quite a bit. There oh, you go. That's a change. Well, when uh, when I was thinking originally of the whole characters who have been dehumanized and characters versus that have been dehumanized, Jamie and the Hound were the two that I could come up with in my head as characters that have been humanized throughout the show, meaning that they started out being Ruth. almost regarded as right ruthless, brutal killers that were cold-hearted and had no good bone in their body, and now have become characters that people see morality in and that there might be more to them than meets the eye. I so I actually think that there's a big parallel between those two in that regard, between the Hound and Jamie. Well, I think this also how it's the different way we watch the show is that I'm more of a, I like, I like um, the action, the, the accomplishment, the conquering, and I focus less on the character development because I don't look at this show as as a lot of characters being developed over time. I, I look at it as a, as a whole story being told, and that's just and some character development is just part of that. But it's not to me the the story itself is more important. The overall story. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I see it as both. I guess. Uh, it, there's definitely a big part of it that is attributed to, yeah, who conquers who and who wins and what the actual you know plot of the story is, but you can't have just a good setting and a good plot. You have to also have good characters yeah. with it, which no, you I, relate I, to. I, so. I agree with you. I mean, we can yeah. talk about Theon, too. Theon went from Ugh. very human to, you know, brute, and then he's being humbled and humanized again. That's like a... That's very unique. Yeah, that's true. He's another one that he... Yeah, I we could talk for hours probably hours. about... Theon, Theon, start heat. There's a lot to mention with him, but the- Theon Greyjoy, right? Yes. Yeah, I um, his character really saddens me, and that whole situation saddens me, um, because I don't think they properly, they didn't, they didn't set him up as he went through a lot of negative things, and they didn't give him a lot of redeeming qualities before that to make me feel that the, that he deserved all the things that that that, that had happened to him. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I, they, 
they had all this bad stuff happen to him, but there was never yeah. enough good in him to begin with that was showed, or there was there wasn't enough character development or scenes that made you want him to be saved. So as a result, when all this bad shit was happening to him, you kind of were like, well, I hope he dies because he deserves it, you know, because there was nothing good of him to really hold on to. Right. And they haven't, they also haven't developed that since he's gone back uh, with Yara and sort of been released from the Bolton's clutch. So altogether, there's just nothing quite positive yet about him that you have to cling on to. Okay, so what, what what's going to happen here is uh, next week – not next week, sorry. Next episode, I really want to go into um, on each of you guys' theory on how does how does um, Cersei die and what happens with Sansa and the whole Stark family in general. So if, if you kind of keep that in mind for our next podcast. And so theories. Ta- yeah, sorry. I'm not – Stark uh-huh. theories. Stark the yeah. so theories on how everyone's gonna die, essentially. No, no, just no, just the Stark family, especially, but, but okay. Cersei, Cersei, and then the Stark family. Where do you? I kind of want to get you guys thoughts on where do you think they end up um, after all the dust is settled, and and also um, to wrap this podcast up, I would like to hear what are you looking for next week when 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 the Game of Thrones comes on. What are you kind of specifically kind of? Where does your? Where what are you looking forward to? I guess I'm most looking forward to seeing what Bran does. Where, you know, he's now Castle Black. We saw him literally for a minute. Ed brought him in, and that's all we saw. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what happens there, seeing if he actually gets in communication with John with with the rest of the North, um, and what his plans are. Yeah, I I actually completely agree with you on that one. I think I think we had actually asked, asked this question when we wrapped up on Sunday, and my answer was Daenerys because they leave, you know they end the show with Daenerys with the yeah. whole let's let's begin and whatever. And my answer was Daenerys, yeah, which I am very interested to see. But I completely neglected when we were doing that to think about Bran, and that's the reason I'm the most interested in that is because of the whole parentage Jon Snow related stuff. I really just can't wait for him to reveal to Jon who his Real parents are so. The other person I'm really looking forward to seeing is uh, Lady Olena uh, Tyrell. She is the the queen of thorns. Where does she fall in this? Is she going to? I mean, we saw her talk to the Sand Snakes and Varys. So is she going to lend her entire army and put her army at Daenerys' back, or will she make a pact possibly with uh, Cersei again? Maybe mm, she sees yeah. another play there. Yeah, um, I doubt that. That, <laughs> that doubt is that. done. With. I don't know. Her granddaughter and her grandson. She yeah, murdered her uh-huh. son. She murdered her granddaughter. She murdered her grandson. She is out for vengeance. That so is. you're and, saying there's a chance. And, 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 and got her kids like tortured before it happened right. by being in a prison cell. But but I mean, well, look at this then. Then who who does does uh, Cersei have? I guess the Greyjoys, Euron. So we're gonna have to see. Does Euron try to attack? The other fleet. There's only two fleets, really, just Euron's fleet and uh, Daenerys' fleet that has that's led by uh, Yara Greyjoy. Right. Um, yeah. I I have to say I'm I'm with the Sand Snakes next next episode. I want to see. Oh, no. <laughs> not them, please. <laughs> I want to see Dorne and all of those tan warriors. <laughs> I just want to see a scene with Jamie and the Sand Snakes again. So you guys are just. Oh, God. I'm just gonna turn off the TV. When that happens. I'm like, yeah, I gotta see my uh, because 
partially because that actor I like a lot and I like seeing her. She was the same. She was the same actor that she played in Luther. Have you guys ever seen Luther? Are you talking about Ilaria Sand? I think so. Yeah. I, I haven't I, seen Luther. It's on my list. Uh, has the guy from The Wire in it. Um, Strict bells this, in it. After this episode is over, we're gonna have to have a talk. So, um, <laughs> but she, I like her a lot. So I'm looking forward to. Sorry, Diana, but I'm looking forward to seeing her. The most. <sighs> um, maybe because I kind of need a break from John and and Sansa. They're so intense, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's hard watch. I mean, it's 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 hard watching them week after week. I want I want something a little lighter, kind of a kind of a different kind of flow. Yeah, I I completely agree. Like I get it that the most action is happening at the wall because of the White Walkers and everything. But I do think there's been so much Jon Snow. The whole end of the last season was him versus Ramsay Bolton and uh-huh. all the stuff that's going on with Sansa. And you're, yes. I completely agree. I'm kind of just sick of them. And I really would love to see more Daenerys, more Cersei, more more anyone, honestly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I want to get away from more that, one, that one story. Like, yeah, more I want to see more Arya. I want to I see more of the Hound, especially the Hound. Yeah. He's just oh every, every scene he's in just I'm just all for because he's just he says what he feels and then he backs up what he says. <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, so next podcast can't wait for it. So you guys download it on iTunes. We're, we're up on iTunes now, and we're going to be on Stitcher next. Is Stitcher called right? Stitcher. Yep. Stitcher. That's the uh, the major uh, podcast app for Android users. Well, it's on iPhone users have it too. Oh, well, what's sorry. most important is <laughs> what's most important is give us a five star rating and contact us through our social media. We love to talk to you. I'm at JFunds One, and um, Diana, what's your what's your um? Uh, my Twitter, which is in very early development, is D Kennis D K E N N I S as in Sam. And you can find me Dre at at Dre underscore K. I've always liked your Twitter handle, Dre. It's like so. It's like you must have your Twitter for a long time to get that. I guess well, the underscore. Go ahead. I, uh-huh. I yeah, I shortened it up. The underscore really made it. Uh, my <laughs> my uh, handle is only five characters. I'm very proud of that. Nice. Yeah, my nice. major accomplishment in life is I got a Twitter handle of five characters. So proud of you. Thank you. So <laughs> now it's time to drop the mic. Thank you.